0: Who may still call Donald Trump himself. Listening, you're listening to the news on RTHK.
1: With music, news, and information, this is
0: Radio 3.
2: This is Peter Lewis. It's 8.03 in Hong Kong. A warm welcome to Money Talk on Radio 3. Here are the business headlines for Thursday, the 18th of August. The minutes of the Federal Reserve's July Monetary Policy Meeting report that policymakers see interest rates increasing, continuing until inflation eases substantially. Fed officials discuss the need to keep interest rates at levels that restrict the U.S. economy for some time. Premier Li Keqiang has asked local officials from six key provinces that account for 40% of the economy to strike a balance between virus control measures and the need to boost growth. A sense of urgency must be strengthened to consolidate the foundation for economic recovery, Premier Li said. Beijing has announced a slew of new initiatives to encourage families to have more babies as the birth rate in China hit a record low. The policy guidelines issued by the National Health Commission urge central and provincial governments to increase spending on reproductive health and improve childcare services nationwide, including offering subsidies, tax rebates and better health insurance, as well as education, housing and employment support for young families. Hong Kong Chief Executive John Lee said yesterday that the government will ensure that it keeps the economy going as it continues to rein in the COVID outbreak. Speaking at the Hong Kong Summit, he said he understands the importance of keep, keep, keeping Hong Kong connected to the world and ensuring the city's comp- competitiveness, while safeguarding public health and people's livelihoods. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by personal Wealth Advisor Enzio von Fahl and Jack Su of Credit Suisse. Later, we talk with Jonathan Choi, Permanent Honorary President at the Chinese Gem- General Chamber of Commerce in Hong Kong.
0: Money Talk
2: On Wall Street, U.S. stocks closed lower with losses accelerating in the final hour of trading as investors digested the minutes of the Federal Reserve's last meeting. The S&P 500 rose after the minutes were released but ended the day 0.7% lower at 4,274. The Dow snapped a five-day winning streak, dropping 172 points, or half a percent, to 33,980. The Nasdaq was the underperformer, falling 1.3% to 12,938. The Pan-European Stock 600 Index fell 0.9%. The FTSE 100 in London was off a third of a percent. Hong Kong shares ended Wednesday with modest gains, as Premier Lee Kechang called on regional governments to work to boost economic growth. The Hang Seng added 92 points, or half a percent, to 19,922. The tech index rose 0.4%. On the mainland, the benchmark CSI 300 rose 0.9%. Tencent has posted its first ever quarterly year on year revenue decline as it was hit by increased regulatory scrutiny from Beijing and ongoing COVID restrictions on the mainland. Tencent posted revenue of 134 billion Chinese yuan, that's about 19.8 billion US dollars, in the second quarter, compared to expectations of 134.6 billion yuan. That's a decline of 3% year on year. And Hong Kong Exchanges and Clearing reported its lowest first half interim profit in five years as the city's boss operator was hit by investment losses, lower market turnover, and a slump in the number of IPOs. HKEX's first half net profits fell 27% to 4.84 billion Hong Kong dollars, missing analyst forecasts of 5.15 billion. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil has rebounded 1.4% to $93.65 a barrel. Gold is down at $1,765 an ounce. U.S. Treasury yields jumped higher with the yield on the 10-year note rising 9 basis points to 2.90%. And inflation in the U.K has hit double digits for the first time in 40 years. Consumer prices rose 10.1% from a year ago, after a 9.4% gain the month before. The yield on UK two-year gilts, which are particularly sensitive to interest rate rises, soared by 26 basis points to 2.41%. The 10-year yield rose 16 basis points to 2.28%, leaving the UK yield curve inverted by the most since the global financial crisis in 2008. And the U.S. dollar is firmer this morning. The euro is trading at cents. The buck's at 134.97 Japanese yen. Sterling is around 0.4% weaker at one dollar twenty and and nine Hong Kong dollars and 45 cents. The Chinese yuan is at 6.79 in offshore markets. And Bitcoin fell almost 3% to $23,300. Taking a quick look around Asia Pacific stock markets in Australia, the SX200 off uh, 0.2%. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 is down 1.2%. The Cosby in South Korea uh, declining 0.9% shortly after the open. And futures markets pointing for a loss of 60 points for the Hang Seng at the open this morning. <laughs> 809 over in our Queensway studio, we should find our personal wealth advisor and regular Thursday commentator, Enzio von Fahl. Morning, Enzio. Good morning, Peter. And also with us, Jack Su, Chief Investment Officer for Greater China at Credit Suisse. Welcome back, Jack. Good morning, Peter. Let's start with these uh, Fed minutes. Unlike the markets, which see uh, inflation as having peaked, Fed officials noted inflation had shown little sign of improving and that the bulk of the effect of rate rises so far had not yet had a significant effect, according to the minutes. Uh, this is likely to mean inflation stays uncomfortably high for some time. Uh, Enzio and Jack, the markets and the Fed seem to be at odds with each other at the moment, don't they?
3: Well, I think that the market is in a state of denial still that's the that's the typical case when you overcome depression is you first of all deny and then you at the end you accept it's still denying that there's a huge inflation problem out there listeners know that I keep on harping on about the supply side inflation there are too few workers around so wages go up the commodities oil and gas we know about the shortages there mining a lot of mines haven't been made because of due, due because of the aftermath of GFC of 2007-8. Agriculture, you can't do too much with monetary policy to affect sunspots, as in La Nina and El Nino. So. Um, I'm afraid there's still a lot of supply-side driven inflation out there and I think the markets like the junk bond yield rally that we had just a couple of days ago that's all total dis- just, that's just sort of de- is, still denial.
2: Is there a period in history that maybe we could look back to and compare this to this rather odd situation where we've had a pandemic uh, then where we have um, both sort of demand uh, and uh, and supply um, und- under pressure And we 're seeing this type of inflation is there something that can guide us here yeah
3: the the pandemic the pandemic of eighteen seventy one of course, as we all know,
2: springs to mind. I had to look this one. So up. you're reminiscing back to your childhood, I I'm know. i but, but, <laughs>
3: <childhood>. yes, <laughs> but, but what happened I've, then? I've my, don't remove my wheelchair, please, Jack. Um, <laughs> but um, a 19, pandemic of 1918. I beg your pardon. So when I was a young man, um, and uh, that the inflation did still stay for for quite some years. Actually, still climbed until we had that mess in the 1970s. With again, Grandpa remembers the OPEC crisis.
2: Hmm. Jack, what, what do you think about this? I mean, the message I got from these minutes, I mean, you could pick and choose, I suppose, various sentences, but the Fed seems to be saying that, you know, there's can, maybe has to be an economic downturn and job losses uh,
1: if we're going to stamp out this inflation. Well, I'll, number one... Um the, the Fed minutes reflects the meeting before the latest CPI prints, where mm-hmm. we did see the CPI coming down from 9 towards to, to 8.5%. And the minutes were also recorded before commodity prices fallen further, except for natural gas. Uh, I think, right, um, the market, in fact, is in line with the Fed, where... The Fed is saying the economy is still quite robust. Uh, they do not see recessions as a real risk in the immediate future. And the market had rebounded 15% since, I guess, uh, the middle of June. And what I'm seeing is um, after this rally in the markets, um, there's this consolidation, it's a 15% rally in the US stock markets, And this consolidation, it's a reflection of, okay, well, there is a recession risk 12 months down the line, and it, the risk is rising with the inverted yield curve. Um, so I, was, I won't overread into this Fed minutes, personally. Mm. Uh, I will actually focus on the next meeting, how the Fed reacts to, I guess, the falling inflation number, and whether they will have a change of tone and cut uh, increase rates by 50 basis points instead of 75 basis points. And I think that is a more important signaling Um But the the
2: Fed doesn't see much of a recession risk. It didn't see much of an inflation risk either a year or so ago.
1: (laughs) Well done, Fed. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, um, no no one can fully uh, anticipate the future, right? I guess the next 12 months. (laughs) Uh, But uh, then, then, uh, I guess if they keep hiking um, by another 125 basis point, which is priced in by the markets, um, then there is a rising risk of recession that has risen. In our calculation, U.S. economic recession is about 35% chance right now versus about um, 20% three months ago. So, yes, uh, we have to complicate um, mm. this risk of recession, but we're yeah. not there yet.
2: You mentioned the inflation reports, which did show flat uh, you month-on-month know, uh, month, uh, in inflation and, and slowing year-on-year. Year. Um, but where does the strong jobs report fit in? Because that
1: showed uh, the economy added over half a million jobs in July. Yes, indeed. Um, Exactly. The, we, this inflation from 9% to 8.5% alongside of a very jobs, uh, strong jobs growth is is a mixed picture, I guess. Uh, and I feel uh, the Fed will continue to focus on tackling inflation because clearly the jobs market and the economy do not have an immediate problem. So the Fed's job now is they're going to be data dependent and they will not look very far into the future. Instead, they will focus on the problem in front of them is to tackle inflation first. But mm. if the economy do show signs of slowdown, I guess, six months down the line, then the Fed can come back and attack this issue. For now, um, they tackle the facts more than the future. Just to bolt on, I think that the Fed funds Fed, are probably going to go up to about
3: 6% at the end of the day, by the end of next year. 6%? Yeah, because well, the,
2: um, the It's actual- a lot higher than the markets are predicting. Uh, I just uh, fell off my chair yeah, with my yeah, mortgage. Yeah, no, we we've, we've just...
3: <laughs> <laughs> we'll buy you a flat. Um, but um, no, I, I mean that quite seriously because at present the, the real Fed funds rates are still at about minus six percent. Mm. If you take out that inflation rate of eight point five and then the the Fed funds of two point
2: five, call it that. Okay, um, so yeah, there is tightening going on in other ways as well, though, isn't there? There's yes. the dollar, the dollar's rising, which is sort of uh, tightening the economy, isn't By it? By not five tightening monetary percent condition. Fed funds, yeah okay and what about um the 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 fed is also buying less bonds as well
3: another another point made by ed giardini in a very in a stutter op-ed in yesterday's ft that also, that's worth half a basis point, 50 basis points in half a percentage point in Fed funds. But that still means that we still have negative Fed funds rates. And that's why I'm suggesting that and because they're doing a one armed fight against a two and against a two armed enemy, enemy being supply side and demand side inflation. Um, and they're only using demand-side tools, that's why this inflation is going to keep on trundling up from the supply-side constraints. Mm. Because don't forget that gas crisis in Europe is going to come big time in winter.
2: OK. Let's turn our attention to the mainland economy. Premier Li Keqiang has asked local officials from six key provinces that account for 40% of the economy to strike a balance between virus, measures and the need, virus control measures and the need to b- boost growth after the latest set of disappointing economic numbers from the mainland. Jack and um, Enzio, seems to me that at the moment, um, what's going on on the mainland now with, with the various initiatives that have been announced, for example, uh, you know, providing state-guaranteed uh, loans to some of the stronger property developers, it seems the strong are being asked to bail out the weak, strong property developers uh, to take over projects from the weak ones, uh, strong banks to bail out the weak banks Um, and now we've got strong provinces helping out the weak
1: uh, province uh, the weaker ones is this all going to work number one i want to state a fact as of yesterday morning there's no confirmation from the regulator nor developers that this news flow Around, yeah. it, it is a news on. flow. I, it I is agree a news flow. Yeah. it's not a fact yet. So, uh, un- unless it's confirmed in the coming days, um, related investments is susceptible to correction. Because we did see similar news flows a few months ago about mm. the support of property markets, that uh, the government stepping in in this way. So then we're uh, going to see a big pullback in property shares if well, this is it, it confirmed. If it's not confirmed, uh, we could see a pullback. And that's number one. That we need to get the facts right. Um, secondly, um, if it is correct that they will do what they said they will do in the news, um, then there's definitely some good news because what the market has been worrying about. Is the execution of the plan have been quite slow? And our economist points out that the hesitancy of executing, executing this plan uh, is really providing a drag to the economy. And when you
2: say this plan, which plan? Because as you just said, we, we, haven't, we haven't got the. We, it's not been confirmed exactly what they're going to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, they did officially confirm there's a fringe of billion RMB set aside Okay, But then the execution of the plan have been slower than what people were anticipating. But the window to which you need to execute the plan in order to prevent Mm. uh, further damage to investor sentiments and homeowner sentiments uh, is closing. uh, If we don't see it, if the uh, homeowner don't see it and the investors don't see it, um, then sentiment is going to be quite fragile. Mm. But then, you know, we have to look into the next, I guess, one month or so to get that confirmation. This is... Happening, and then on, on another plan, the fiscal stimulus on infrastructure, uh, which we calculated about 4.8 trillion renminbi in the next six months, net increase. Uh, that's 800 billion US dollars. Right, uh, and now we know that corpor- um, the local governments have borrowed the money, uh, and but then where? Uh, they going to invest in. You know, we are not seeing the order coming through into the related mm. construction companies. So the execution of this uh, stimulus needs to be accelerated. And it's not
2: feeding through to the real economy, is it? This bringing forward instru- uh, infrastructure plans. It doesn't seem to be boosting the economy at all.
3: How many roads could you build? Mm -hmm. I just want to add two points. First of all, there's a bit of good news. The China bond issuance, which is going to guarantee the onshore bond issuances of moribund property developers, that's a bit of good news. That's real, I believe. And the second thing that's real is Li Keqiang. Um, saying that he wants the six provinces to bail out. That's a little to, to help the, 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 the poor ones. That's very much the convoy approach of the Japanese in the 90s mm. where they took the healthy banks to help subsidize the unhealthy banks. They're doing that in China also, I believe. And they're now getting the healthy provinces uh, to, to hitch the sick ones the back of the, at the back of the buggy. Um, I'm not sure that's going to help the healthy provinces because it's going to be a bit of a ball around their ankle, frankly. But there we are.
2: Are the authorities being too timid? We've had a 10 basis point interest rate cut. Absolutely. 10 basis points doesn't really do no. much, does it?
3: No. I think that there's a certain amount of hesitancy. Again, I think th- that she's um, COVID is CPI problem. In other words, they're both so fixated on controlling inflation or, the, or COVID, obviously, that growth is going to sort of just flounder for some time. And I, I believe that's part of this, that they don't quite know what to do. I mean, how many roads and build bridges can you build? How many interest rates can you cut? When, mm. when And then they also, very interestingly, for the first time, at least the English press, allude to to migrant unemployment, not not to the urban unemployment, which is what we, of course, all talk about, but to the migrant unemployment of those mill-
2: millions and millions of people um, floating about. Okay, Jack, I want to ask you about the markets. Um, A lot of gloom about around the China markets at the moment, aren't they? The Hang Seng Index this year down about 15%, Uh, so is the CSI 300 on the mainland. The MSCI China Index, that's trading near the lowest level versus its global peers since 2005. Now, you've been more optimistic than most um, at Credit Suisse about uh, the China markets. Are are you still positive after everything that's happened recently?
1: Um, Yes, uh, we remain overweight and expect China equities to outperform. And what we're seeing now on how we digest the situation, where I think a month or two ago when I was speaking here, uh, we were positive on the basis of the fiscal stimulus, on the positive on the relaxation of the COVID. Uh, restrictions but then since then we had a Taiwan situation Mm. and then we had a mortgage boycott situation which were surprises to my base case but then if we look at the situation again uh, we are still getting this massive stimulus Uh, they are executing uh, in our expectation they just need to show that they're executing the plans Uh, they are tackling the uh, mortgage boycott issues up up their chin with 50 billion billion money set aside Um, and then we look into the situation in Taiwan and our assessment is, um, you know, it's likely that uh, the situation will not go beyond uh, much further than what we already seen, which, in other words, um, the economy is unlikely to be impacted uh, by these political noises. So, therefore, uh, our assessment, despite sentiment, has been damaged. Um, now, market level has gone back to the MSCI China, 10 to 11 times PE levels, mm-hmm. and uh, it's now 8 PE difference. Versus the US market mm. is huge. at a discount isn't it? now. And so uh, I do feel that there's a rebound coming. But now I will question after the rebound whether uh, that will be a level to take profit. Because uh, if we run out of the fiscal stimulus uh, catalyst uh, in the next three, four months' time, then I think there could be a point where we'll be taking profit in China equities level, uh, at, at that level, maybe some 10% upside. Okay.
2: Well thank you both very much. That was Jack Su, Chief Investment Officer for Greater China at Credit Suisse and Personal Wealth Advisor NCO von Fau. Five six seven
3: AM
1: Radio
2: 3. Hello, this is Uncle Ray. To fight COVID nineteen we need to pay attention to our personal hygiene and follow the social distancing protocol. And of course, getting the COVID-19 vaccine is the best way to protect yourself and your loved ones. We
0: will fight this together. Money talk on
2: on 8.23. The Hong Kong Summit 2022 took place this week, co-organised by the Chinese General Chamber of Commerce. The theme this year was Emerging Opportunities in a New Paradigm of Regional Cooperation. Joining me now is Jonathan Choi, Permanent Honorary President of the Chinese General Chamber of Commerce in Hong Kong. Morning, Mr Choi. Good morning. Um, first of all, tell me about the summit. What were the main talking points at the, uh, at the summit yesterday and the takeaways from that?
4: Uh, actually, we initiated this summit uh, on twenty tenth. We talk much more about the uh, regional cooperation between the Hong Kong and other place of the world, mainly about the uh, GBA and other outset. As you know, that uh, GBA is one of the um, uh, place of a big population, about sixty-eight million uh, people, and uh, the growth is uh, very fast. Mm-hmm. And recently, there's an outset coming in. That is a ten plus five. 10 is us in 10 countries with uh, China, Korea, and Japan, and then also uh, Australia and New Zealand. There's a very big uh, FTA at the moment. Therefore, Hong Kong has grabbed the opportunity to work closely with the regional development. That is the RAUSIP uh, and the GBA. And that is the main point that we were talking about yesterday. Now obviously um, there was a lot of talk
2: about the dual circulation strategy, Hong Kong's status um, as, a, as an international metropolis, connecting the mainland with, with the rest of the world. The problem is at the moment, Hong Kong isn't connected with pretty well anywhere. How, how do we get over this problem, what do businesses do
4: right now? I think that uh, you uh, raised a very important point about Hong Kong. Hong Kong is an international city. First of all, of course, if we want to uh, uh, work closely with China, then uh, we must open the border first. But not at the moment, but uh, very uh, fortunately that recently, uh, chief executive uh, have uh, relaxed the, uh, the quarantine uh, 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 towards the uh, international market. Therefore, we just stay in the hotel for only three days quarantine, and then uh, uh, we will be working outside. And mm-hmm. I think uh, it's good for uh, opening up to the international market. Uh, I just went to the Asian, uh, uh, uh countries uh, uh, a week ago. I went to Vietnam, Cambodia, and uh, I think it's was very good at that time. And I have many friends in Singapore that is it's uh, fully opened. Therefore, I think Hong Kong, if we can open uh, the border to the mainland, I think Hong Kong will get back to normal very soon.
2: And do you think this three plus four arrangements that, that kicked off last Friday, is that going to be enough to encourage visitors and business people
4: uh, back to Hong Kong? I think it's better than before but I think we hope even better with the North quarantine is much uh, preferred. And what about our international borders even if there's a
2: delay in opening um, the borders with the mainland you talked at the summit a lot about particularly uh, Asian countries Southeast Asian countries Um what about trying to open the borders with some of them is it's not pre uh, it's not pre- uh, restricted really, is it? Um, John Lee said at the summit himself uh, that opening the borders with the mainland and internationally uh, are not mutually exclusive.
4: Mm, uh, it all depends on the situation in China because the policies are different uh, because they are uh, 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 having a so-called zero-case policy in China. And uh, I, I think that John Lee is uh, now working closely with the mainland and hopefully we can get it relaxed in the future.
2: Mm. So what do we need to do to boost these opportunities for trade with Southeast Asian
4: countries in particular? Do we need to sign more uh, free trade agreements or what should we do? Uh, actually, we signed a lot of agreement already, even though that we are not a partner, uh, not a member of AUSAP at the moment, but mm. we have FDF of most of the countries, especially the uh, ASEAN countries. What I think we need to do is have more uh, personal uh, 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 contact and physical meetings with them, because uh, only Zoom meeting, I think it doesn't work. Uh, recently, when I went to Vietnam for about two weeks, I think we did many things. We worked together with the Hong Kong government to promote about Hong Kong and GBA, how to work with Vietnam and Cambodia, I think is very well welcomed, and mm. we're having many more uh, meetings and uh, business in the future.
2: But that comes again, doesn't it, down to the same problem uh, for people to go and travel and visit, we need to open the international borders. Yes, exactly, that's the case. yeah, yeah. What about uh, RCEP? RCEP? Um, we've got a lot
4: of uh, long standing ties with uh, RCEP uh, members. What could we do there? Uh, at the moment, actually, Hong Kong is very close to ASEAN. In the past, uh, I would say fifty years, and uh, with uh, Japan and Korea, also we are very close. Australia and New Zealand, we have got FDA already, mm. and we hope that we can be a member of that. But even though that we don't, we are not as a, a member, but still we can work closely with them. Uh, what we feel is uh, we need to work physically, face to face with them uh, more often, same as before. Uh, hopefully, it can be done as soon as possible. And where does? Um
2: Innovation technology fit in here. We've spent a lot of money um, on promoting uh, innovation and technology here in Hong Kong, uh, particularly uh, trying to get more startups uh, going. What can we do there to try and boost cooperation with both the Greater Bay Area and other countries around the region?
4: As for GBA, you know, uh, the uh, Chinese government uh, positioned Hong Kong as a technology international center. That's important for Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we are strong in R&D, we are strong in fundraising and all this. Therefore, working with uh, GBA is important. This time, when I go to uh, Vietnam, uh, Vietnamese government is also very keen in having the startup and the uh, innovation technology. Therefore, recently, we're bringing Hong Kong U and Hong Kong UST to Vietnam, and uh, they're very keen to work together, not only with Hong Kong, but also with uh, GBA. Therefore, there's a big collaboration between Hong Kong in the middle and we have a GBA and all the ASEAN countries and overseas countries uh, at the back. Therefore Hong Kong is a very good position to work together with them.
2: Mm. And the other big theme of course is sustainable development. Where where do we fit uh, there and what can we do in the
4: region uh, in that particular area? Mm, I think Hong Kong is a financial centre. Yesterday, we talked about not only the RMB offshore uh, centre, we are also talking about green economy, digital economy, fintech, all this. Uh, all this, I think, uh, are on the financial side, there's a big room for Hong Kong to develop in the future.
2: And, and tell me a little bit about SMEs. They obviously need support at the moment. The economy is going through a difficult time. We're in our third contraction now since 2019. What can you do at the chamber? And what can the government do to try and help and support
4: some of these SMEs? Uh, I think the support of Hong Kong government, I think they've done a lot already. What what we need to wait is to open the border with the mainland. Because most of the SME, their factories, their business in the GBA, uh, at the moment um, some of them they haven't been there for almost two years already. I think it's quite difficult uh, The most important point for SME today is to open the border.
2: Okay, and finally, let me ask you about um, young people. Young people are suffering uh, particularly badly in this economic downturn both here in Hong Kong and on the mainland one in five uh, young people are out of work on the, on the mainland what can we do uh, to try and get young people to buy in more to the Greater Bay Area and, and provide opportunities for them?
4: Uh, I think the, uh, both government, both Hong Kong government and uh, GBA government, they need to work together. Most importantly, is open the border. Because we always uh, tell the young people to go there, but they can't. Uh, that is the most difficult thing. Secondly, when they are there, they will be treated the same as the local. Another point is uh, the tax uh, is a big problem. Hong Kong people, Hong Kong tax, and I think they should be uh, treated the same as local, uh, so they can attract them to go there.
2: So the main points that seems to come out from all of this is we need to get the borders open.
4: Yes, correct. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, thank you. That's
2: Dr. Jonathan Choi, who's Permanent Honorary President of the Chinese General Chamber of Commerce in Hong Kong. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final quick look at the markets for this morning in Australia. First of all, uh, the ASX 200 is down about 0.6%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan slipping 1.1%. Uh, the Cosby in South Korea also down over 1%. Looks like the Hang Seng uh, is going to open about 60 points lower or so uh, in just over an hour's time. Uh, coming up after the news is back chat and then uh, let me give you an update on the weather forecast for today. Mainly cloudy, a few showers, hot with sunny intervals during the day, maximum temperature of around 32 degrees. A few showers in the next couple of days. It's 26 degrees right now, 96% relative humidity. Times 8.32, here's
0: Andrew Shorsky with the half-hour news. Thanks, Peter. Hong Kong has reported 5,757 new COVID cases, of which nearly 200 were imported. Four more COVID patients have died. Health officials say almost 1,900 patients are being treated in hospital, 10 of them in intensive care. The Center for Health Protections, Dr. Albert Aus, said the number of elderly people with COVID is bound to rise as cases increase. He again called on the elderly to get vaccinated.
1: In the past two weeks, there are over 15,000 elderly aged 16 years or above infected with COVID. So we encourage the elderly living in the community to receive vaccinations as soon as possible. And if they have symptoms, they must seek medical care or consultation and also do testing so that if they are really infected,
0: they can receive treatment as early as possible. A man has been charged with disclosing the personal information of his former girlfriend without her consent. It's the second time charges have been laid under the anti-doxing law, which came into effect last October. Kelly Yu has details.
1: According to the Office of the Privacy Commissioner for Personal Data, the 26-year-old suspect and the complainant had a short relationship before breaking up. He is suspected to have disclosed her personal data on four social media platforms in October 2021. He is also accused of impersonating her to open accounts on some of those platforms, inviting people to visit her at her home. The man was arrested in June and faces a total of seven charges. He's been granted bail ahead of his court appearance next Thursday.
0: A research officer with the Hong Kong Bird Watching Society says urban redevelopment could pose a threat to the sparrow population. A survey by the group in May showed a population of 287,000 sparrows, which was a 36% 36 increase over last year. John Chung told RTHK that during breeding season, the birds favor Hong Kong's older districts, where they can nest on pipes and crevices that may not be found on new buildings.
2: Found that they do have a preference on old towns as well as urban parks. And we particularly find that for the commercial areas which have buildings with floor to ceiling windows and with less crevices or pipes, we don't.